haven't been sleeping well lately. Well, I never do, you see. For I don't need sleep, and when I do sleep, I'm often tempted to do it for a very, very long time. When I sleep, I sleep more than a lifetime's worth, so I tend to avoid it. But lately, lately I've been quite tired. Perhaps it's because I'm still resisting that invisible thread that pulls me out of this cellar. I suspect that it's my writer friend and someone else. I suspect she's trying to write me out of here. She's bored with me down here. But I don't want to go out. I want to stay here. I want to remain in the dark for a while. Just for a while. Is that a terrible thing? But you see, down here I have no one to talk to, no one to see. I only have my stories. And oh, dear friend, I love them. But I get so tired when I'm alone lately. I've tried to sleep. Just a little. A night or a day here and there. But I can't. My mind races and my head aches and my wings throb to fly again. I wish I could get out of here and fly a bit, but I just don't trust myself when it comes to where I might fly to. Who I might fly to. I'm getting tired, friends. Sometimes I feel like I might be asleep and not know it. That's how slowly the nights creep by. Or how fast. It's hard to tell. Do you know that sensation? The one where you're certain you haven't slept a wink, and yet the sun appears to be rising out of nowhere? Or sometimes it's the other way around. You feel as though you have slept and slept and slept, and yet the morning just won't come, no matter how badly you want it to. You know that I am confused about time lately. This issue with sleep is exacerbating the problem. So instead, I must tell you a story. It isn't must, really, it's want, because this is what I've been looking forward to all week. I want to tell you a story. While I can't sleep and the sun won't rise, I will tell you a story. Once. A young girl found herself in an empty old castle. Her eyes opened suddenly and were painfully stung by the dim, dusty white light that let itself in through a nearby window. It was such little light, hardly anything at all. But she had been asleep for so long that it burned her vision, and she raised a hand against it to shield herself. When she looked up at her hand next, she saw that her nails had grown so long that they were now curled and yellow. Past her hand, she saw the ceiling which was draped with a hanging film of cobwebs. The cobwebs were almost a net of dead moths and alive spiders. Where am I? She wondered to herself, 
but looking again at her strange hand that had been so surprising to her, she then wondered something altogether more important. Who am I? For you see, she couldn't remember. Her mind was in that foggy no-man's land of those who have slept for far too long and find themselves outside of the world, a stranger in it. Her throat was sore and her mouth was parched, and she knew she ought to find water, though the idea of it turned her stomach. She tried to call out to someone, anyone, for help, for water, for comfort, for anything, but her voice came out only in a hoarse whisper. Then she heard a loud noise somewhere, far away. She remembered that she had, in fact, been woken up by a loud and distant sound. She wasn't alone here, wherever she was. She sat up, slowly, for her muscles were stiff and sore. She could almost hear the bones in her spine cracking as she forced them to hold her up. And when she got to her feet, her legs seemed so weak and frail that she thought she might collapse. She didn't. Every step she took was careful, calculated, steady and rhythmic. She didn't realize it quite yet, but she walked with excellent posture in an almost noble, regal gait. This was natural to the memory of her muscles, but it also came naturally because she had to move so slowly and carefully to keep herself up. She went to the window. The light streamed in in little patches, for the window seemed to be caked in a kind of crawling vine, thick with wild black thorns. She tried to see beyond them, and she did see little glimpses of green land and blue sky. But the window was so dusty and covered with grime that she couldn't tell the colors of them. She longed to see them, unimpeded. Still, the breathtaking image of open air and land made her gasp. The moment she did, she breathed in deeply, and she coughed painfully, for the air was so stale and thick. And the noise continued, somewhere below and far away. She could only hope that whoever it was was friend and not foe. As she walked out of the room and into a dusty, cloudy hallway, her vision seemed to swim with images other than just dust and spiders now, as if in a waking dream. Memories of a time she couldn't remember. A castle, much lovelier than this one. Smiling faces looking at her with love and adoration. Some warm and ordinary. Others strange and lovely with bright and inhuman colors in their eyes and face but all kind and loving, except for one. One was cruel and hard and looked at her with yellow eyes that seemed to hate her for no reason that she knew. Are you the reason I'm here? She thought to herself, and though the face remained unchanging, she could swear she heard a woman's voice calling to her, saying, Wake up, child. Wake up and see and she followed the voice, through a hall, down winding stairs, exploring this place she did not know or understand. 
Sometimes her eyes would close a little, but her feet would keep moving. Sometimes her eyes would be open, and she'd still see faces or feel someone watching her, as if she were dreaming with her eyes open. When she asked herself if she was lucid, she couldn't answer the question, for she'd been asleep for so long, it seemed, that she no longer understood what lucidity was. And besides, the reality that was outside of the window seemed so different than her dreaming, dusty, voiceless world, that perhaps it didn't matter whether or not she was truly awake. However, when all you do is dream, and you know nothing of the world outside of your own closed eyes, what is real? Pardon me for a moment if I sound a little too philosophical. Perhaps a mid-story discussion like this isn't right or wanted, but I think about this often. I, you see, live in a world of memories. Every week I tell you a story from my past. If you call it fiction, that's all right, too. A world of fiction is equally open to discussion. Perhaps you'd like to live in the world of my fiction, or my memories. I prefer to live in a world where I've met strange, tormented, and dreadful creatures. So I spend quite a good deal of time telling you these stories. And if you spend a good deal of time listening to them, then yes, welcome to my world indeed. But there are worlds outside of this one. Worlds that are less dark, less mystical, and more difficult, and at times more painful. Our shy and confused writer lives in a world like that. Or she used to before I came along, surely. Everyone exists in their own world. Right now, yours is my voice. And this tale about a girl who wandered in an ancient castle in a dream state. That is your world right now. Her world, the girl in the castle was one of a misty gray, the color of cobwebs and the layer of dust over her skin. But it was lit up by dreams of colorful fairy folk who loved her, and one in particular who seemed not to. Imagine her world for a moment. Imagine seeing only thorns and vines and spiders, and sometimes extremely lovely and horrific faces. Are you there? Or are you still in the world of my voice? Shadows and my voice? I'll go on now. The girl walked. Down and down, stairs, hallways, stairs, hallways. Until she found the front door on one level. The elegant stairs stopped and she was in a beautiful, grand hall whose walls were lined with gold-framed mirrors and paintings that were so faded she couldn't make them out. Or was it the blurriness of the dream realm she now walked in? She couldn't tell. But she sighed at the sight of it, though the sound that came from her throat was still dry and cracked. She walked to the center of the hall and turned towards the one mirror that was the most clean and without a crack in it. 
she saw herself. She didn't know what to expect, but her faded memory seemed to tell her that she was very much changed. Her golden hair was so thick with dust that it looked white, and moths seemed to fly in and out of it to a dazzling effect. It was so long that it trailed behind her on the floor. On her head was a silver crown. Her dress, once white, was now gray, and every move she made caused a cloud to billow around her. She had no shoes on her feet, but her toenails were long and yellowed and clawed as well. Somehow, however, despite her hair and nails having grown so much, her skin was still that of a girl, not even twenty. And looking into her eyes, she somehow knew that they were once blue, but those irises were now gone. The pupils were gone. Her eyes were like large pearls in their sockets, shining, white, and empty. Princess? She heard a shaking voice say behind her. What? What are you? The horror in the voice behind her was clear. Her brow arched, for she didn't understand. She looked in the mirror, and she felt she was lovely. She seemed an appropriate princess for the castle in which she stood. Perhaps she could be queen of dust and thorns and spiders one day. And the idea didn't repel her. She slowly turned around, her muscles shaking off their long sleep. She saw a young prince, handsome and grand in his red velvet tunic, his golden crown shimmering and his silver sword shining. She looked him up and down and asked him in her croaking, dry voice, Are you my prince? His mouth agape, he took a step backward. I came to rescue a princess and bring this castle back to life. He shook his head, his eyes full of terror. I see I am too late. Her head tilted to the side slowly, and her eyes narrowed in confusion. Are you? And in her memory, she saw ages and ages of herself waiting, sleeping, for a prince, any prince, and none came. She dreamed and dreamed of a prince who would come and wake her up. The prince dropped his sword. He too was only a boy, her age, or at least the age she was when she first fell asleep. The poor thing was shaking. 
No, he whispered. And she took slow, stiff, pained steps towards him. No, it is too late, she said, her expression a little sad, but also determined. Wake him up, child. She heard a voice in her memory call to her. She saw the fairy with yellow eyes for a moment, and she understood what she must do. Wake up anyone who dares enter here. He cowered against a mirror, trying desperately not to look into those eyes. He had come here to kiss a sleeping princess and return home with a bride, but he only found this. And he wanted to be home, warm in bed, pretending that this was a nightmare. He squeezed his eyes shut and cried, This is a nightmare. And the princess was right in front of him now. She smiled gently and touched his face with a frigid hand that rained dust from it. No, she whispered, it is a dream. And he opened his eyes and let himself be dazzled by the pearl-like ones that looked at him. Despite his fear, curiosity, the same curiosity that brought him to this castle in the first place, took over, and the prince who had hoped to kiss the princess found himself being kissed by this wretched princess. He closed his eyes. The dust in her lungs flooded his mouth, and somewhere he could hear someone laughing, cruelly and victoriously. When he opened his eyes, they too were white and terrible. Listless, empty and terrible, the queen and king of spiders and thorns and dust walked the halls in their state of dreaming half-sleep. Perhaps to wake up another visitor who dared come in from their own reality. I saw them. I did not speak to them. For it is dangerous to wake someone who walks while asleep, I've heard. Good night, friends. Sweet dreams. Hello and good evening. This is Kristen. In case you don't know, I'm the writer, producer, performer, podcaster, etc. for On a Dark Cold Night. Thank you so much for listening in to episode 69 with me tonight. I hope your summer's off to a great start. I'd like to send a thank you to Tashana Lynn, who recommended the show on Facebook and left a lovely message that reads, Have been completely addicted since I found it. Love the narrator's voice and the stories. Absolutely recommend. Wow, thank you so much for taking the time to share your thoughts, Tashana. 
I appreciate it so much, and I'm so happy you're enjoying the show. If you're enjoying the show and want to help out like Tashana Lynn, leaving a review on our Facebook page, iTunes, or Stitcher would be so awesome, and I'll likely shout you out here if you do. Also, you can follow me and tweet out about the show on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, or on my Facebook page or YouTube channel, also called On A Dark Cold Night. Another great way to help is to support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. For any amount you'd like to pledge a month, you can receive access to my ever-updated soundtrack of the show. If you're not interested in that perk and want to donate only once, feel free to buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. You can also buy some wearable merch if you'd like a sweet On a Dark Cold Night t-shirt or hoodie. These are available at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. Finally, if you're able to listen to the show on the Radio Public app, that would be wonderful. Every listen goes towards me as your podcaster being paid for my work, and it's totally free for you to use, so check out Radio Public if you can. Thank you again for joining me tonight. I hope you liked this little fairy tale of mine. Have a wonderful night. Until next time. <laughs>